Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. We're going to be reading the second letter to the churches, the letter to the church at Smyrna in verse 8 down through verse 11. If you're reading a pew Bible, it's on page 965, page 965 in your pew Bible. Read with me beginning in verse 8. God's word says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna, the words of the first and last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, what we know not, teach us. What we are not, make us. And what we have not, give us. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What season of life are you in right now? Maybe you're in a season where everything is going great and you are loving life. Things are smooth. You are in love with the Lord. Your relationship with Him is one of closeness and intimacy. Every day there's just a wonderful surprise in your life, it seems, and you're just in a great season of life. Thank God that there are times like that in our lives. Amen? But perhaps you're here this morning and you're in a very difficult season of life. Life is not going so great. You're struggling. Life is hard. Maybe you're dealing with an illness. Maybe someone you love is hurting. Maybe you have a financial difficulty that you're dealing with. Or maybe your family is causing you grief. How many of you know that family can cause you grief? Amen? (laughs) I saw two hands raised. Y'all don't have some of my family. None of them are here this morning, by the way. None of them are here this morning. But y'all don't have some of my family, it doesn't sound like. But whatever it is, it's it's a hard season. You're in difficult days. And we know the reality is that that happens. There are good seasons. There are difficult seasons. And God never promises us as believers that, that life is always going to be fun. That skittles are going to fall from the sky. Puppy dogs are going to be around every corner. That's not a guarantee. He never promises us that. As a matter of fact, We are guaranteed in the pages of Scripture that life, if we are a believer, life will be one of difficulty. We will face suffering. You will face some persecution in your daily life. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3 and 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Do you hear that guarantee? It's not a question of will you suffer. The question is how will you handle it when it comes? And that is exactly the situation that the church at Smyrna has found themselves in. Now here's what we know about the church at Smyrna. It was in a seaport city about 35 miles north of Ephesus where we focused last week. And it was described as one of the most beautiful of the seven cities. Today it's known as Izmir, Turkey. And Scripture doesn't give us any information concerning the founding of this church But it's presumed from a reading of Acts 19 that the church was founded during Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And in his commentary of Revelation, Dr. John MacArthur writes that the Greek word translated Smyrna was used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, to translate the Hebrew word for myrrh, a resinous substance used as a perfume for the living and the dead. Its association with death perfectly pictures the suffering church at Smyrna, he writes. Like myrrh produced by crushing a fragrant plant, the church at Smyrna, crushed by persecution, gave off a fragrant aroma of faithfulness to God. Amen. This was a message meant to encourage them in light of what they were facing presently in light of what they were dealing with and looking towards a difficult future, the church at Smyrna was to undergo some intense persecution and tribulation. And Jesus wanted them to stand strong and to be faithful, even if it meant physical death. You know, throughout the history of the church, the more that the people of God have faced persecution and suffering, the greater its purity, the greater its strength. Look to the book of Acts to find that out. It was suffering that was one of the key catalysts for the explosion of growth that the church saw in its early days. Because suffering would disperse the apostles. It would disperse the saints. And so the gospel would be be taken to new corners, to new communities because of the persecution they were enduring. And it strengthened the body of Christ. It refined them. And this is what the church at Smyrna is up against. And I want you to know today that this letter, while it is a guarantee of difficulty, it's also a letter, it's also a a passage that encourages us because we realize that it is God who strengthens us and that we are able to endure the suffering that comes against us. We're able to be overcomers. We're able to be victorious. Here's the truth for today that I want us to see and understand. Because Jesus defeated death and promises victory, you don't have to fear. And you can remain faithful. And so, using the same outline that we jumped into last week, diagnosis and directive, we're going to go verse by verse and see what Christ is saying not only to the church at Smyrna, but to you and I today. And here's the diagnosis in verse 9. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. 
and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. They're facing two things that he mentions here in verse 9. The first we see is persecution. I know your tribulation. And then just a few words later, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. The situation in Smyrna is one of hardship. And Jesus blames not the Romans for the persecution, but He blames the Jews. Two things occurred which paved the way for this this persecution that they're facing. You see, for a while, Christianity had been seen as simply a sect of Judaism. It was just a a subgrouping, so to speak. But during the late first century, Christians began to be seen as a distinct religion. And this opened them up to attack. And then we have the fact that the Jews compromised with Rome. The Jews received an exception to honor the emperor, the Roman officials as rulers and not as gods. But over time, that distinction began to fade. And Jesus also acknowledges the work of the devil in the church's persecution, albeit under God's control. And that is a very important point to remember. Kevin DeYoung said that the hardship is the Lord's intentions, but it is the devil's actions. Amen. The hardship is the Lord's intentions, but it is the devil's actions. They're facing an intense season of persecution. They're being slandered for their faithfulness to Christ. But the second thing he mentions is their poverty. He says that in verse 9, your poverty, but you're rich. The letters of Revelation present the reader with a paradox of weakness and strength. The weak, the small, the poor churches in Revelation are the ones that we find are commended the most. And then the rich, the confident, the impressive churches receive the least commendation. This lets us know that we should not judge a church by the world's standards. Amen? We don't judge a church by large budgets or how many uh, offerings, uh, how well our offerings are doing at the end of the month. That's not a marker of a faithful church. We don't judge a church by its building. There are many buildings here in our own community that are much grander than ours. But that is not an indication of health. That is not an indication of faithfulness. We don't even judge a church by how many seats, how many people are in the seats. That is not an indication of health and faithfulness. We should judge a church by God's standard. Faithfulness and steadfastness. And even though Smyrna was rich, it was prosperous as a a city, as a society, we typically see the believers in the early days coming from the poorer segments of society. The poor were the, the, the largest section of society. And Christ says to them, I see your poverty. I see your extreme conditions, your circumstances, but you are rich, He says. How could he say that? These people were being crippled financially. And he says to them, despite your poverty, you are rich because of salvation, brothers and sisters. 
And we must never lose sight of that. It is a gift bestowed, not earned, and it cannot be taken away. Praise God, He will hold us fast. And if we have that promise, if we know that reality in our own lives, we have all the riches we could ever need. Contrast all this with the following words where he mentions the Jewish synagogue of Satan. He's speaking to those Jewish people who had rejected Christ as Messiah. They are poor indeed. And we must make a distinction here between physical Israel and spiritual Israel. Now, again, we understand that there are differing viewpoints in the book of Revelation as we look at it through different lenses, through different systems. And so you can hold to whatever ideology you would like about the end times and the nation of Israel. That is irrelevant here. As believers in Christ, what we know and understand is we are a continuation of what God began with physical Israel. We are spiritual Israel. We are grafted into the seed of Abraham. That's why it says in Galatians 3 and 29, if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. You are heirs according to the promise. And so what do we do with a passage like we find in Romans 11 and 26 that says all Israel will be saved? Well, let me read this to you from Ligonier. Ken Jones is writing... And he's speaking about that verse of Scripture in Romans 11 and 26. And he says, This is a much debated passage with different interpretations even among theologians. Some maintain that all Israel in this verse refers to all spiritual Israel, which includes both Jew and Gentile. Others suggest that all Israel refers to all of the elect from the natural descendants of Abraham. The remnant alluded to in verse 5 of Romans 11. Yet others contend that the meaning of all Israel is literally the nation of Israel as we know it today. And a fourth view is that the verse refers to a point in time when there will be a mass conversion among the Jews. Again, hold to whatever view you'd like. But know that all of God's elect will be saved. And if you and I are in Christ, we are the offspring of Abraham. We are heirs of the promise. Don't allow persecution, don't allow poverty to cause you to lose sight of the riches that you possess in Jesus. That's the message that our Lord was communicating to the church at Smyrna. I have not forgotten you. I have not abandoned you just because you're facing persecution, just because you are poor. There's the diagnosis for us today, but now we move on to the directive. Verse 10, we find these words, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. He says firstly to them, Fear not. Now how can this be said with such confidence? You have to remember that our knowledge is very limited. We are confined and constrained to this present moment. We don't know what's around the corner when we walk out these doors. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We may have plans. We may have goals. We may have ideas in our head. But the reality is we do not know. But God is already in our tomorrow. He's already in our future. He is already working all things according to the counsel of His will. God knows 
And like a parent, God knows the hardship and the suffering that His people endure. But what we find here in the text that is very important, God knows that Jesus, as it says in verse 8, is the first and the last, the one who died and came to life. Praise God. And this church is caught between a rock and a hard place. And the reality is we oftentimes feel that very same way, don't we? I have felt that way just in the last few weeks with some things that I've been dealing with. Caught between a a rock and a hard place. The, The persecution, the poverty, the suffering on one hand, and faithfulness to Christ on the other. And their suffering is coming about because of their belief, because of their faith. Verse 10, it says, The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. The reality is that faith and faithfulness will cause us to be persecuted. Let me say that again. Faith and faithfulness will cause us to be persecuted. But God knows. And He is sovereign even over our suffering. If you're here this morning and you have no faith, or you have very weak faith, perhaps Satan says, I don't bother them because there's no need to. Some of us live lives where our faith is so trivial, so meaningless, that we aren't targets for the enemy. Some churches are more concerned about the color of the carpet in the sanctuary than they are about the souls who are perishing and going to hell just a whisper away from the building that they occupy. And in many parts of the world, believers are literally losing their lives because of faithfulness and commitment, obedience to Jesus. And we ought not to take that for granted. And faithfulness doesn't mean that we suppress our feelings. Instead, it means that we pursue boldness in the face of fear. Here's another quote from DeYoung. He says that boldness is not a personality type, but it is to be clear in the face of fear. A book that I've been using as a a guide for this sermon series is written by Kenneth Priest. It's called Preaching for church revitalization, he writes these words. I want to share them with you. Why do we have this fear not passage? Not because suffering and persecution are easy because they are not. They are difficult. Persecution is painful. It hurts. It may separate us from those we love. It may adversely affect our health. And these people were experiencing real suffering and persecutions. But, he writes, the Lord knows they and we are dust, that we're prone to fear. He knows that when we face a crisis in our lives, we're not equipped to handle it on our own. He's made us to be dependent on Him. He's saying, fear not, I've got this covered. Fear not, look to me, we win. Amen. He says to the saints, don't be afraid. I have you covered. I know what happens in the end. And that's why he's able to say next to them, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Verse 10 again, he writes, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. 
In the Gospels, particularly in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said to His disciples, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. (laughs) Jesus says to His disciples, Hey, don't worry guys. The worst they can do is kill you. (laughs) That's the worst thing that can happen. Yet even if they do, I am still on my throne. Even if they do, I am still sovereignly over that. Even if they do, you are still rich in Christ because Christ has overcome. God's Word says exactly that in the last verse of our text today. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. In verse 11, Jesus guarantees us existence that is unending. It was Corey Timboom who wrote, Worries do not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. She said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. It is precisely in our moments of weakness in seasons of difficulty and doubt and uncertainty where God gives you the health, the help and the strength to be an overcomer in Christ's name. God knows. Maybe you feel at times like you've been forgotten. Maybe you've even felt as if God has forgotten about His church. This local church. Maybe the struggle has worn on you. Maybe you felt at times that it was meaningless. And God says to His people today, do not fear. Be faithful. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a church by its budgets and numbers. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if we have 10 people or 10,000 people. What matters most is our faithfulness to Christ and His gospel. God will honor that. What does success look like in the Christian life? What does success look like in a local church? Success looks like faithfulness, brothers and sisters. Preaching the Word. Sharing the Gospel. Loving the people. Being faithful where God has planted you. There's going to be seasons of persecution. Seasons of poverty. Difficult days, times of suffering. But we cannot lose sight of the fact that Christ our King has already defeated the enemy. He's personally purchased and guaranteed our final salvation. And nothing will change that. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we sang together just this morning, He will see us safely home. And that is one of the grand truths of the book of Revelation. And so as we close this morning, I say to you what Christ said to the hearers of this letter. 
We find it in verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. This is the Word of God. It is for us as people. Thanks be to God for it. Lord, we love You. And we want You to accomplish Your purposes in our lives, in this church, and we know, Lord, that You will. We know that You are working all things according to the counsel of Your will. We know that You are sovereign over all things. We've seen in this letter today a people who were most likely discouraged. They were facing extreme circumstances of poverty and persecution. We know that there are churches today around the globe who are enduring that very thing. And we also know that it may not be too many days in the future when we face those very same things as a church. Some of us are facing in our individual lives sickness, financial strain. We're facing difficulties in our family. Maybe we have a loved one who is far from you and it grieves us, it hurts our hearts. In this life, we will have trouble. But we cling to the one today who has already overcome. The one who died and rose again. The one who holds in his right hand the keys to death and hell and the grave. The one who has purchased and guaranteed our final salvation. The one who will see us safely home. And so he says to this local church today, fear not. He says to these people gathered here in this moment, stay faithful. Keep your hand on the plow. Do not give in. Do not give up. Lord, I pray today that we would be encouraged in this way. That we would realize the riches that we possess in Christ. And Lord, if there's one today who doesn't have that assurance, would you by your Spirit grant the gift of faith and repentance so that we all may believe. It is in the name of Christ Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen and amen. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.